The most common strategic failure is doing things the same old way once the season has changed. Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO. As a leader, I've faced a wide variety of challenges while raising over $50 million to fight poverty. I've failed, succeeded, and learned a lot in the process. The goal of this podcast is to share those lessons and help you successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. The most common strategic failure is doing things the same old way once the season has changed. As a change management consultant with over 21 years of experience, I know this for a fact. This is particularly true when it comes to the annual budget process. The annual budget process can make or break a nonprofit CEO's career. I've seen it happen. If you plan to aggressively, an unplanned shortfall can have your board questioning your competence. If you strategically plan for the very same shortfall, planning for a pre-approved use of reserves, there's no issue at all. If you under-promise in terms of revenue and over-deliver, you're a hero. And who doesn't want to be a hero? A nonprofit CEO simply cannot afford to be disengaged in the annual budget process. Now, if you want to be a hero in the season ahead, there are three facts you must face. First, we're likely headed into a recession. All economic signs point to it. None of us want it. We all hope it's not true, but we need to plan for it just in case. Secondly, donors are not giving like they used to. The fundraising effectiveness project's most recent data shows a long-term trend of new donors decreasing by 10% between 2012 and 2022. And of the new donors gained in 2021, most did not give at the same rate in 2022. In fact, their gifts decreased by 26%. And third, if that's not enough, Experienced development professionals are getting harder and harder to both find and retain. The average development professional is staying on the job for only 18 months. These three facts are causing nonprofits to struggle and uh, affecting CEO success. As a nonprofit leader, it's time to do things differently. Having a big, inspiring dream without a big and experienced development team to match is a recipe for disaster. Away with requesting six and seven figure investments with no real plan to sustain them beyond the initial investment. No more asking the development team to fill in the gap without simultaneously asking the operations and program staff to streamline their costs and cut non-essentials. With all the reports and publications predicting that the next few years will be difficult for nonprofits, this year's budget process is a very important one for your organization, your clients, and your career. So let's talk about new budget strategies for this new economic season. Okay, so here are the things that I'm recommending that my nonprofit clients do 
this annual budget planning season. So there are three things. First is have every department complete a return on investment analysis. You may have heard me talk about this before, but right now we can't afford to just keep doing the same old things just because we've done them. And that includes every event, program, or service. So what does an ROI have? So you have everyone responsible for every event, program, or service of a significant size, and you determine what's significant. It could be $10,000, it could be $25,000 in annual budget costs, it could be $50,000, but you determine what that size is. But everyone responsible for those events, program, or services needs to complete an ROI for that year. So what should the ROI contain? It should contain the following. How many clients were served? How many staff members were assigned? How many staff hours were required to execute this program or project or event? The total cost in terms of expenses of this program, project, event, including staffing costs, and then the total revenue. So you're going to look at how many clients were served or if it's a fundraising event, how many clients will it allow us to serve based on our cost per client? Secondly, how many staff members were assigned to this? Uh, because manpower and assigning staff is a very important part of the ROI process. How many staff hours were required to carry it out? What the expenses were for this event, program, or service? And then what the total revenue is. So you're going to look at the ROI for every program, service, and event, and you're going to ask yourself, is this an effective use of, of funds? The other element you should add, if it is a program of your organization, is the outcomes, the client outcomes associated with that event. Were the clients successful? What were the short-term targets hit? What are the long-term targets hit? Is this something we should continue and so the point of completing the ROI is to reduce or eliminate events, programs, or services that have a low return on investment. So here's your starting point. Before you start adding elements to your budget and doing all of that, first do an ROI. Because just because something was effective in one season doesn't mean it's effective in this season. Just because you did it this way doesn't mean that you have to continue to do it. Once you look at your ROI, you can determine if certain elements of the program event or service are necessary or required, particularly if they use a lot of staff hours or are expensive, but don't really have a great return on investment or don't really contribute to the overall outcome. So number one, complete a return on investment analysis. Number two, develop a high prob probability revenue strategy. So here's where your development team and you really sit down and look at how they're predicting revenue for the upcoming year. And so what I see a lot of times is that nonprofit CEOs will go to their directors or, or say, you know, what do we need to serve our clients next year? And let's say once all the facts and figures come together, it may look like we need $1.7 million or whatever. And then they'll go to the development team and say, come up with a plan to raise $1.7 million. Well, that's not really the best way to go about it. What you want to do is you want to have your development team complete a high probability, I keep stumbling over that, revenue strategy. You look at historical giving 
that has been given to your organization and you look at the range of that giving and you make a plan based on who has given in the past and who is likely, highly likely to give again next year. That's what you look at. You look at how much your event raised and how much you are predicting it can raise this upcoming year. So it's all really based on historical giving. And it's not just who has given to you historically, but how much have they given? So can I count on this person to increase their gift? And during this budget planning process, it's not inappropriate to reach out to major foundations and say, you know, we're planning our budget. I want to make sure that we're planning well. You know, is there anything coming down the pike that may suggest that there's a, even the smallest chance that you'll reduce giving next year or that you'll have the ability to increase giving next year? Having these preliminary conversations, number one, shows just how effective your organization is and how forward thinking they are. But it also saves you a lot of stress and pressure when it comes to fundraising that next season. And you can do the same with individual donors that you tend to really depend on. You can let them know, listen, every year your your gift means a lot and it, it keeps the doors open. And as we plan for this next year, we've noticed a lot of our donors have decreased they're giving and we want to know if we can still count on you to give at this level or even perhaps a little bit more to help fill in that gap. Having these conversations are often appreciated as the donor themselves is planning for their next year's giving. So being as proactive as possible in these in these ways can really help ensure that your development team has a realistic budget. And let me tell you the power of that. Once they have a realistic budget to be accountable for, then you can go back and and set stretch goals. So that'll give them the freedom and, and sometimes even the confidence to secure additional funding without that pressure that they have to have it in order to be successful. They'll see themselves, I'm securing this extra funding, I'm securing this additional funding, which will be such a blessing to our organization, um, it'll be a blessing to me, it'll, it'll take me over the top in terms of success, but if I don't do it, we won't have to downsize the organization. So having that frees your development team to be creative without the pressure of failure having a, a negative impact on the overall organization. So usually I have my basic revenue plan, which is based on high probability revenue. And then we always also have a stretch goal based on some things that we're going to attempt to do, but they weren't inclu- included in the budget that was submitted to the board of directors. So that's second, have your development team develop a high probability revenue strategy. And then third is something that I suggest all nonprofits do, especially in this economy. It's really important that you add a revenue generating profit producing component. I started recommending this for the last couple of years, really after COVID, um, so that there'll be a component of nonprofit revenue that's highly predictable. And of course, things like COVID can can still affect a revenue generating component because like, for instance, if you host a conference, you may not be able to do that in person. But for the most part, assuming, you know, there's no worldwide pandemic, having a revenue generating component to your budget gives you an opportunity to have a steady stream of income that's not necessarily contingent on donor support. So that's something that I often say, like, it's really important for nonprofits to try to find an element of that that'll help it the nonprofit be sustainable if there are fluctuations in donor giving. So what are some examples of revenue generating 
components. So again, you can host a conference, host industry training, which people actually pay for the training, add a paid element like having a partial pay after school or summer program, or have a sliding fee scale based on the affordability to the clients. That way there's some revenue attached, even if that's just revenue enough to cover the staffing component of it. I mean, that's always important. Maybe having a consignment store, selling swag, leasing meeting space or studio space, particularly if your nonprofit is really being on seasonal activities like summer programs for kids, but then you have all of this space all year long. So leasing space can be really important. So you have high utilization of space and then also adding revenue to it as well or creating a studio space right now for people who may want to podcast or do other things. Those things are so popular right now. There's just so few places where you can go do it affordably. So these are all ideas that can help your your nonprofit begin to produce revenue that can, again, come in consistently and have less fluctuation than sometimes donor revenue does. And then also, if you are going to solicit those high, you know, multi-year gifts, make sure that you've added an element of revenue generating programming to those gifts so that it will be sustainable beyond the two or three year period that you're suggesting those major investments. So those are things that I recommend. So let's recap. You know, I love to recap. So three things that you need to do differently this budget planning prep season. Number one, have every department complete a return on investment analysis for every event, program, or services of a significant size. Number two, have your development team create a high probability revenue strategy based on historical giving. Number three, add a revenue generating profit producing component to your budget, if at all possible. So those are my three tips. With that being said, I want to offer you a word of encouragement. I know the budget process can be difficult, frustrating, and stressful. I know you're tempted to assign it to your CFO or controller and await the results. But this year, I want to encourage you to be hands-on from the onset. Ask questions and do not approve anything that you do not thoroughly understand. You can do this. In fact, you must do it. And at the end of the year, when you have met or surpassed the goal, you'll be glad you did. Now, let me give you a word of encouragement. I know the budget process can be difficult, frustrating, and stressful. I know you're tempted to assign it to your CFO or controller and await the preliminary results. But this year, I want to encourage you to be hands-on from the onset. Ask questions. Do not approve anything that you do not thoroughly understand. And know that you can do this. In fact, you must do it. And at the end of the year, when you have met or surpassed the goal, you'll be glad you did. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the insight that comes from experience. We thank you for being our provider. We thank you that your word says that we can come to you, that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I've seen you do it time and time again for me. 
through surprise million dollar gifts or surprise six figure gifts that we didn't anticipate. You filled in every gap and you met every need. And so, God, I know that you can do it. But I also know that your word says that no man should build a building without counting the cost. So, Father God, while we trust you to do the supernatural, give us the grace to manage what's in our hands. Give us the grace to be like the the steward in the Bible who you gave five talents to and they turned it into 10. Give us the wisdom to make the most out of the things that you've given us and put in our charge. And so, Father, I thank you that we're not in it alone. I thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we trust you to be able to do it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's tips can be found on my website, kimwconsulting.com. Just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely. Change wisely.